I'm going to go on a little bit of a, a little bit of a rabbit trail, not really a lot because it, I've got all my notes. But I want to talk to you today about what jumped out on me in this particular place in Scripture. We're in First Peter chapter 5. We just finished chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at the first part of chapter 5. And chapter 5 is going to go by quickly if we're not careful. It's going to just fly by us because Peter is just basically now telling us how we're to act and react as, as people in the family of God. And he talks about here in the second verse, these, these words just jumped out at me to, to shepherd the flock of God among you. And when I read that, I couldn't get my mind off of that particular statement in verse 2. And I thought, gee whiz, what a, what a great study it would be to understand who is our shepherd and how do we shepherd the, the flock that God has given us as a, a body of believers. So read with me, please, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. And then we're going to turn off and, and take a little bit of a rabbit trail to kind of look at the the ultimate shepherd, which I'm sure you already know, is Jesus Christ. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 11, he calls himself the good shepherd. And he says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so what we are reading here is what Peter says. He says, therefore, since all the things that he talked about in, verses, in chapters 1 through 4, therefore, he says... I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge but prove to be examples to the flock. And I take that place to mean that you and I, we are to shepherd one another. We are to be a group of people who reach out to one another and try to encourage each of us in our growth in Christ. And in the process, we use the gifts that God has given us to help equip and build up the body of Christ. For instance, this morning, I'm coming to church, and I get here... Normally a little bit early, not before everybody else, but I'm fairly early for most of you. And, and, uh, and I'm walking up, and, and out in the parking lot is Brad Berryhill and Jeff Ochoa. And they're washing down the entranceway of the parking uh, lot we have out there. And they're cleaning it up. And, and, and I'm, I ask Barry, the, uh, Brad this, this question almost every time I see him do it. I said, what are you doing there? And he always tells me, I'm making the entrance to our church something that is visibly good, appealing to those that are coming to see us, to visit our church. Nobody's asked him to do that. He does that not under compulsion. He does it voluntarily. He does that according to his own heart, the will of God. He does it with eagerness proving to be an example to anyone that sees him. And he is, I, am, I, I, I watch him and I see all that Jeff Ochoa does and I marvel at those two guys, just the work that they do to help prepare this place for you and for me. And so this is an interesting place in Scripture 
very. Number one, it's interesting. We're going to pray in a moment. Uh, let's pray right now. Then we'll do this. All right, let's pray. Father, please, uh, would you bless us? Would you please, dear Father, do what only you can do? And that is open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, so that we might behold the wonderful things that flow from the Word of God. To think that we could sit here this morning and have you speak to our hearts is absolutely incredible. It is the, one of the greatest blessings that any and every one of us can ever experience to hear that wonderful voice of God within our own spirit of spirits. And so, Father, would you move me aside so that might take place. Let me not get in the way of what you want to say to us. Let us see your Son as our Good Shepherd and let us see how we are to emulate Him and to also shepherd the flock that you have brought to us here at this church. So, Lord, thank you for VBS, everything that went on here this week. Thank you so much for the people that, that did so much to make it happen. And Lord, we, uh, we ask only now that you'll bless us, help us to concentrate on what you might want to say to each of us. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. You know what's really interesting to me is that in verse 2, we are told to shepherd the flock of God amongst us. In other words, we're to care for the church family. What's more interesting of that, Peter, through the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, refers to, to the church family, you and me, as flock, sheep. And you see, sheep arguably require more attention than any other animal. For example... This is a, uh, supposed to be truthful of, of what a sheep acts like. God created most animals with an uncanny instinct to fend for themselves when need be and to be able to find their way home or to make a home when they stray. But sheep, when sheep stray into unfamiliar territory, they become completely disoriented, they can't find their way back home and their only instinct for protection is to run. And they're not that fast. They're in trouble. So naturally, as you probably thought it through or, or thought a little bit about it, in Luke, the 15th chapter, verses 3 through 7, the Lord uses sheep to explain in a parable about the lost sheep. And what He is teaching is how the shepherd will leave the bulk of his sheep to find the one that has gone astray. And what he's explaining, of course, is how he cares for each one of us individually. If you know in that parable in Luke 15, the owner finds that one of his 100 sheep has gone astray. And so he leaves the 99, we are told, and he searches out that lost sheep. He rejoices when he finds it. And if you know at all what he does, he takes that sheep, I guess by his legs, and puts them on his shoulders, and he goes back home with it, takes it home and rejoices with the people in his home that he had found this one straying sheep. And so what the Lord is teaching us when he says here in this verse, in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God among you, 
he's teaching us that within the body of Christ, you and I, we are called to shepherd one another. And what our Lord shows us is that each individual, each one of us are important to one another. There's not a one of you here that, that, that doesn't need someone's care. And there's not a, not a person here that doesn't need your care. We need one another to help shepherd each other. Because a sheep needs a shepherd more than most any other animal. Needs a, a shepherd to guide him, to provide for him, to protect him, to feed him, to rescue him when, when needed. And so we are called, as a family of God, we are called to share or to care for one another, to shepherd the flock of God among you. I understand sheep. I do. I understand disoriented and getting lost. <laughs> I promise you, I can get lost anywhere. Case in point, true story, true story, just this week, did it for the service. I guess the Lord had me do this for the service. I'm watching my grandson play a ball game in Dana Point. Great game. He's having a nice game. I'm really proud of him. And <clears throat> I had to go to the bathroom. So I saw a young boy walking out of a building. And I was there in that vicinity. And I said to the young boy, I said, is there a bathroom in there? He says, yes, sir. He says, you go up that ramp. And he says, you turn left, you won't miss it. I said, thank you. He's just a kid. So I go in there and I would turn up the ramp. And I turn left and I go in and I... I, 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 I go to potty, <laughs> I go to the bathroom, and, and I, I wash my hands, and I'm coming out. And I can't remember if I'm supposed to go right or left. I only went in there just seconds, folks. I wasn't like there for a long, long time. And as I'm looking, I went this way, and I looked, and in there was a group of people my age, approximately. My age, a little bit older, maybe a little younger. And they were having their dinner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know how old folks do. We eat really early. And so they're eating in there, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, you know, if I went in there, I bet I could get something to eat really easily. And behind me, I hear a voice. It was a woman about 35, 40 years old. She says, sweetheart, are you lost? <laughs> a little bit, I think I am, ma'am. <laughs> I said, she said, are you going in there to eat? And I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm here to see my grandson play a game. Where's the ball field at? I mean, I just got in there. She said, oh, you have to go that way. And then you find a... So I went. So I'm, I get this. I get this whole passage. I need you. I need you. I get disoriented when I get out of sorts. I need people to help build me up and do all those things that, that, that God asks us to do. Well... As I said to you, Jesus Christ calls himself that very good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus gives these words. He says, I, I am the good shepherd. And then he says this, and a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I'm thinking, VBS. I'm thinking of the people that worked with our children, how they gave up their time. In fact, April Cunningham when she was going home last week, I saw her in the parking lot, and she says, I'm looking forward to VBS. And I said, oh, great. She says, yeah. She says, I always take my vacation from my job during this week so that I can come here and help all day long. What did it say back there? It says that a shepherd, be a shepherd of flock among you, 
exercising oversight not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God it says not for sordid gain but with eagerness proving to be an example to the flock well the most perfect example is is our Lord and Savior and one of the greatest examples that you and I will ever see about a shepherd is in the 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 23rd Psalm I know it by heart but I I get disoriented <laughs> a little bit. Would you please, you don't need to, we won't come back <clears throat> to First Peter for tonight, today. We'll be back next week. Would you turn with me now to the 23rd Psalm? Do you know that Psalm at all? I feel quite a few people do. I reflected back in the first service that when I was a little boy, um, I, I didn't come from a, I came from a very moral family, a very wonderful family in my opinion. And, and, but we didn't go to church. And uh, I knew nothing about a Bible. I knew nothing about uh, anything about religious things. And when I went to kindergarten, our kindergarten teacher, which I loved kindergarten, and I'll tell you why I loved kindergarten. To this day, I remember I loved kindergarten. <laughs> Are you a kindergarten teacher? Are you? My kindergarten teacher impacted my life, and I didn't know it until I was about 40. And she impacted my life. And I'll tell you how. Back then, we had to, in the middle of the day, whether it was for her or for us, I'm still not certain, she would make us roll out mats and we'd lay down. Still do it? No, we used to roll out mats, we'd lay down, she'd give us graham cracker cookies and milk. Oh, I couldn't wait for graham cracker cookies and milk. And then she did something that was absolutely unique that I had no idea what she was doing, but I loved it. She read the 23rd Psalm to us while we were laying there. The Lord... Is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. When she was doing that, I had no idea what was going on. I, I, I can't tell you right now that my spirit leaped within me. I, I can't. But I can tell you when I got older and I came to Jesus Christ, it dawned on me what she was doing. She was reading to me the Word of God. And all of us, all of the rest of us are in that classroom. And King David here in the 23rd Psalm gives us a clear picture of what a good shepherd looks like. And I want, to try to, I want to try to relate some of that to you, if you don't mind, this morning. We can learn from David's example of what a good shepherd looks like. And he uses his Savior God as his example. May I read to you the 23rd Psalm? David begins... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David begins this wonderfully simple song by saying to us, the Lord 
is my shepherd. Therefore, he says, I shall not want. I want to concentrate on that first verse with you today. The way a true shepherd cares for his sheep should remind us of how God cares for us individually and how we should care for others. Shepherding the flock that God has brought to us. Each of us being a sheep from time to time who are in need of some help. David first says in verse 1, The Lord's my shepherd. I want you to concentrate on that. With that statement, the Lord being His shepherd, David therefore proudly proclaims, this automatically makes me His sheep. Therefore, David says, I shall not want. He seems to be saying that what I have in God, my shepherd, is so much greater than what I don't have in life. Therefore, I shall not want. Which led me to ask myself a question. You can listen in and you can think about it for yourself. What is it that you want in life? Do you think that you and I could ever get to that place where we say, like David said, I shall not want. And why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Envision all your stuff. Stuff that you have accumulated and other stuff that you'd like to accumulate. Can you say, I shall not want? And why not want? Because the Lord's my shepherd. And He is going to care for me. But let's, let's say you're a little bit like me. Let's say you want more stuff. I want to remind you of something that I knew, but it really drove... I really had it driven home to me this week. I want to remind you and me of a very biblical truth. Your stuff, my stuff, is not mine. It isn't yours either. We're just borrowing it as we pass through this life. It is often very correctly said, there are no U-Hauls being towed by a hearse. There isn't. I read this in one of the commentaries. I believe it's true. They didn't give me any reason to think it wasn't. It said, one of the wealthiest men that walked the face of this earth was a man by the name of John D. Rockefeller. It said, when John D. Rockefeller died, his accountant was asked by some of his family members and those who worked side by side with him, close to him, who might be an inheritance of his fortune. They went to the, the accountant and they asked him, how much did Mr. Rockefeller leave? To which the accountant replied was short and sweet. He said all of it. He left every penny. No U-Hauls in heaven. Please never forget this. If you don't remember any other truth this morning, remember that your stuff isn't yours anyways. You and I are just borrowing it as we pass through this earth. Within our Lord's most gracious word are a couple of very truthful statements. Listen to Job. Job, oh my gosh, how I wish that 
maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to come back and we'll study Job. Um, Job chapter 1, verse 21. Job says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. He says, The Lord gives, and the Lord has taken away my stuff. I got some, and some was taken away. But ultimately, Job made this statement, Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15 similarly says this, A man has come naked from his mother's womb, and so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. Like I said, no U-Hauls in heaven. So the real question might be for us, you and me, what are we doing with the stuff that we have or the lack thereof? What are we doing with what the Lord has given to us? Also, since all that stuff that you have accumulated or lack thereof, or all the stuff that I have or lack thereof, you ought to know what else is true about that stuff that you and I acquire. That stuff does not define you as who you are. It doesn't. Who you are has nothing to do with any of the stuff that you have collected or not collected for that matter whether you are rich or poor whether you are in the eyes of this society great or not so great it does not give or take away from your character I want you to see this you want to talk about stuff you want to hear about a great message let's listen to the Lord when he speaks to us on the Sermon on the Mount turn to Matthew chapter 6 would you please Matthew chapter 6. You know, as a, while you're turning for Matthew, let me tell you this. It's talking about stuff. When I played baseball, nobody knew what anyone else made. It wasn't publicized. It wasn't for anybody's knowledge. You signed your own contract. If you wanted to tell people what you made, you could. But it was like closed lip when I played. Nobody said anything. And then all of a sudden, there became more and more money. And all of a sudden... They became uh, promoting, not promoting is the wrong word, or publicizing what each person made. And all of a sudden I found on the team there was guys that were jealous of one another. He's making more than me. He doesn't do as much as I do. And it was like that. In fact, we were having chapel. We were doing chapel with the Dodgers one year, and the team was having a little bit of a bumpy road. And Lasorda, Tommy Lasorda, the manager of the team, came to me and said, I want you to do chapel for me with a purpose. What, Tommy? He says, I want you to tell the guys to stop comparing themselves with one another. To stop being jealous and to do what they're supposed to do on the field. And so I turned to a place in passage in Colossians that says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you served. And we talked about stuff. Because the guys in that room knew what each other made. And they knew who was getting more money than the other in that room. And it, caused, it was causing this conflict. So when I was in about the near the end of the message, I pointed to one of the guys in the room and I said, tell me, what do you think your greatest asset is for this team? I already knew. He was very quick. He played great defense. He was fast. He got on base, scored a lot of runs. Didn't drive in many runs because he was sitting in the front of the lineup. I looked at another guy in the room and I knew exactly what he did too. And I said, what do you think your greatest asset is? The guy had 
led the team in RBIs most of the time. He says, well, I drive in runs. I said, exactly. You're nothing without him getting on base. You guys, without him getting on base, you're not going to score any runs. And without you getting on base, this guy's not going to be able to drive anybody in. And you guys are going to lose, and you're going to lose, and you're going to lose big. You guys need one another. Not everyone's going to be a power hitter, and not everyone's going to be fast. But you can blend and be a team. You know, in the church, same difference. Not all of us have the same gift. We all have different gifts, and we all can be used to the glory of God. And there's no place in the, in the framework of God for us to be jealous with one another, but just to do what God has called us to do. And your stuff doesn't define you. doesn't tell us who you are as a human being. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus begins by saying, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. In other words, don't be worried about your stuff. Don't be worried about it, he says. He says, don't be worried about as to what you will eat, nor what you will drink, nor for your body is what you will put on. Jesus says, is not life more than food? And is not the body more than clothing? Jump ahead to verse 30. We kind of missed some of the middle of this, but listen to verse 30 when Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today, and tomorrow it is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Don't worry about your stuff. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He says in verse 32, the Gentiles. When he talks about the Gentiles in that type of a framework, he's talking about people who are unbelievers, do not believe in God. He says the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. They want stuff and more stuff and more stuff. He says your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He already knows what you and I need. But here comes the key. One of the greatest verses in all of Scripture. In fact, I asked Daniel if he wouldn't mind putting it up on the screen for us. But you can read it in your Bible. If I were you, I'd underline it in my Bible. I have it underlined in my Bible. But it's one of the great verses in all of Scripture. Jesus Christ said, Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. And all of these things things shall be added to you. Is that pretty close? Yep. Seek first kingdom of God. Seek first His righteousness and all of these things, this stuff, will be added to you. It's a great principle of the Word of God. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus reiterates this by kind of talking more about possessions. Listen what He says. In fact, it will be on the screen. Luke 12, 15. Jesus said, Beware, be on the guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions, his stuff. No. Seek first kingdom of God. Seek first our Lord's righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Now I want you to listen to one of my heroes in the Bible, and that is Paul. 
I want you to turn to, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. I told you this would be a, an unusual study. This is not like a, a line-on-line, word-after-word thing. This is a thought-upon-thought type of a study. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4. One of the great, great men of Scripture is Paul. I want you to read what Paul says about stuff and how it doesn't define you and me, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. He talks about contentment. He says in verse 11 of Philippians 4, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned, I want you to note that, he learned to be content in whatever circumstances he found himself. I want you to know, Paul learned this lesson. He says in verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also, he says, know how to live in prosperity. I've had not so much stuff, and I've had a lot of stuff. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. You ought to be asking as you're sitting there, what's the secret? If you don't know it, you ought to ask yourself and Paul, what's that secret that I need to learn, Paul? Because that would be a great lesson to know, wouldn't it? As a matter of fact, I wrote down in my notes here, I think one of the greatest lessons that you and I can learn about what we are studying this morning is what Paul says in the next verse. It's in Philippians 4.13. Look, he says, I can do. That word do is better translated handle. I can handle all things through Christ who will strengthen me. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. You've got to come to a time where you, like Paul, you learn that lesson, that secret of how to live this life called Christianity. Now there was a, there was a cute story that I read about this. Now I don't believe this is true, but I, I, I love the story and I want to talk to you about it. Kind of uh, humor me about this for a while. There's a man that loved his pastor and he went to him for counseling. He was in the midst of some financial collapse. Everything was falling in around him. And he went and he said to the pastor whom he loved dearly in tears, I have lost everything. The pastor looked at him and sadly said, I am beyond sorry to hear that you've lost your wife. I didn't know. When's the funeral? Oh, no, 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 Pastor. I, I thank God I have not lost her. Oh, the pastor said, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that you've lost your faith. When did that happen? No, no, Pastor. I haven't lost my faith. No, no. Well, then, the pastor said, I am so sad to hear that you've lost your character, the very essence of who you are and your integrity. No, no, Pastor, I didn't say that. No, he says, I thank God that I still have my character. I still have the integrity that I, I, I have always had. Pastor, again, he says, I've lost everything. Oh, the pastor says, I didn't realize it was that serious. I'm so sorry to hear you lost your salvation. He said, Pastor, I've sat under your teaching for years. I, 
I know that you've taught us we cannot lose our salvation. So the pastor says, well, let me see then if I have this correct. You still have your wife? You still have your faith? You still have your character and integrity and you've not lost your salvation? Seems to me that you've lost absolutely nothing of value. You see, the man was talking about his stuff, his possessions. And that wise pastor let him know that his stuff was meaningless in comparison to his spiritual life. Jesus puts it this way. Matthew 16, 26. Please put it up on the board. What does it profit you if you gain the whole world? In other words, you got stuff upon stuff upon stuff and you forfeit your soul. What, Jesus asks, will a person give in exchange for their soul? The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. You see, David understood that. And you and I need to learn this lesson. Seek first the Lord's kingdom. Seek first the Lord's righteousness and the things of this world that He deems you ought to have shall be added to you. You know, you and I, we need to get to that place where this godly Christian man sat down for a meal. He didn't have anything really. All he had to eat that day was some bread and water. And bowing his head, he prayed sincerely to his Lord, his true shepherd. He said, Lord, you have given me all of this to eat. Bread and water. Plus, I know you as my my Savior. You are my shepherd. I shall not want. We need to get to that place. I don't know how the journey will be for you to get there. I don't know how the journey is for me to get to where the Lord wants me to be. But I know He's moving us. I don't mean move. I I mean He's moving us in in a very definite way. He's taken us to wherever it is He wants you to, me to be. That, that went to a bad turn because I know um, what's going to come up next. And it makes me a little nervous. But I'm going to ask David Briggs if he's here. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. I'm going to ask David Briggs to come and close the service for us. Uh, let me pray with you while he comes. Father, knowing you is the privilege of privileges. And to be able to say, Lord, you are our shepherd. You're my shepherd. Father, you are my shepherd. Therefore, I'm your sheep. And therefore, I shall not want. Teach me this lesson, Father, as I, I grow in my faith, I grow in my love for you and my love for each all of these people. Thank you for this day, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. David, would you please come? Good morning, afternoon. Just a quick, a a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Um, You all know by now that Pastor John and Kay are retiring, and they, you know, they're leaving in August 
to go to Oregon. What you didn't know is the exact date when that was going to happen. You didn't know because we didn't know. But now we know, so now you'll know. Pastor John's um, last official weekend as senior pastor of the Rock Community Church will be August 22nd and 23rd. If you look at your calendar, that's eight weeks. Eight more weekends. That's quick. Years become months sometimes, and then months become weeks. But... um, we, we can have great peace knowing the Lord is leading John and Kay. He's leading this church. And more than that, Lord willing, and we believe the Lord is willing, and we know John is willing, and we are willing. This will not be, in August, will not be the last time that Pastor John is here preaching and teaching and loving us and us loving him. In fact, uh, right now the plan is for John and Kay to be back with us in the holidays, to celebrate the holidays with us. So that the holidays... <laughs> We'll be here before we know it as well. And um, Pastor John knows this, that this pulpit is available to him anytime he is available. In fact, I'm going to quote Pastor Mark, and then I'm going to steal Pastor Mark's quote and attribute it to myself as well. Mark said, if he or I are coming up to preach one morning and we look up and see John come through the door, and realize that John is here and he's ready to preach, we're giving the pulpit to him. And we are your church. And you are our pastor forever. Okay. Can I have the slide, please? We have an information slide that has all this for you. You may want to write down. um, uh, This is kind of a joke uh, picture here. I don't know if you can see (laughs) John and Kay on the uh, steps of their new home. That, that's a joke picture. Uh, their home is not nearly that nice. Um, <laughs> photoshopped it up for him. <laughs> but it shows us that he's retiring, and it says that they will return in the holidays. And, and um, we come now to the next big question, and some of you have asked, how are we going to honor our senior pastor? Pastor John uh, is a gift from God. To each one of us, whether you've only heard, if this was the first time you've ever heard him today, or you've heard him countless times, how do we, how do we ever tell you what that's meant to us? To have this man of God so faithfully, week in, week out, with knee surgeries and all the things, coming up here and teaching and pointing us to Christ all the time. How do you honor a man like that? Well, some of you have asked if we're going to have a party. A big send-off. And uh, John started immediately months ago asking, and then he stopped asking, and he started begging and pleading. He said, please, 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 no party. Just please, just let me go. And if you know John, how humble he is, he's, he's always pointed us to the Lord. He's not ever pointed to himself. Not once have you ever done that. And be honest with you, I kind of fought that notion. When he first said it, I thought, no, 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 no. We've got to have a big party because we all need to say goodbye. It's... And then here's the thought that we all came to. How on earth do you say goodbye and, how, and tell John how much you love him by putting him in a place where he'd be absolutely miserable? He would hate it. So we're going to honor John. The best way to honor John is to honor his request. 
Hope you understand. If that, if that, if you have questions about that, come talk to me, okay? Because we're not going to do a party. But here's how we are going to honor John. And this has his blessing. In the next eight weeks, if there's something you want to come up and say to him, take the opportunity. Don't miss it. Find him before service or find him after service. If you try to talk to him during service, it's a little rude and it's a little difficult. So that's, that's harder. But before or after service, come talk to him. Just share. You'll have, a, you'll have this wonderful conversation with him. And if we were at a big reception, you'd only have him for a second because he'd be surrounded by people. So take the opportunity to talk to him. Also, as you see, John and Kay have uh, foolishly or faithfully <laughs> given us their email address. <laughs> and... Uh, inviting us to write. He wants to stay in contact with all of you. So please, each of you, take it down. Write to him. Uh, I write to John all the time. (laughs) I'm going to continue. And he wants to hear from you. If you want to write him a word of encouragement, you want to write him a book (laughs) of things, send it to him. But say nice things, because remember, he's going to be back. (laughs) And you don't want to have to eat your words later. So that's how we're going to honor them, uh, through talking with him now and through email. And remember, he will be back. And one more quick announcement. Uh, right after this service, in case you're, you didn't get enough breakfast or you missed breakfast, we are, John and Kathy Strobel are hosting a lunch for Pastor Mark. We, remember, Pastor Mark is new. We, we became official here June 1st. And upstairs in room 210, there's pizza and there's salad, and there's soft drinks. Um, Please come by to get to know our new pastor. Um, He's a really lovable guy. And and I will tell you that the more I've gotten to know him, and this, wow, every time I've spent more time with Mark, I come away more convinced, more encouraged by his gifts, by his humility, by his love for this church, and his absolute passion for the Word of God. And I want you to have that same confidence in him as well. So you can start on that by coming come by to say hi to him today, just immediately after this. If I stop talking, you can get up there and, and go see him. Um, we told you the prayer team will be here and there <laughs> to uh, pray with you about anything. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend.